Hello, my name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Raised from the Garbage Dump. I'm going to unpack that thought in just a moment. Raised from the garbage dump. Those words are actually in the Bible, believe it or not. And I'm going to preach out of that verse. But before I do, I want to kind of just give myself a little runway. There are times when you wake up in the morning and you're just feeling good. Uh, your, your hair is, is looking good. I mean, I can't really relate to that, but your, your hair is looking good. You're feeling good. You're, you're driving down the road and you're actually noticing birds and trees and it's bright outside. And you're like, life is good. You might even roll the window down and hang your arm out. Like life is good. And then there's these seasons where you just want to run, but you don't even know where you'd run if you, if you did run. And it's like things are not going good. Um, these are the moments where you feel like you're not crushing life. You don't have the world by the tail. You're losing. You feel like you're losing. Now, it's not true. It's a set of emotions. And it's most likely that there's only one area of your life that's giving you a challenge. And while the other areas of your life are doing very well... That's what the reality of the situation is. But in those moments, you feel as though you are in the dumps. Uh, I, many times, I've laid down and I've whispered to myself, and I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm just being transparent. Frankie, you're losing. And I don't even know what I'm talking about. I, I shouldn't even say that out loud. I know. I get it. Don't preach at me. Don't send me an email. Don't put a note in my pocket. I'm just being honest. I'm just like, I feel like I'm losing. I'm not doing well. And in those moments where you feel like you're in the dumps, God takes note of those moments. It's not just life. Sometimes it's just feeling condemned. It, being, feeling condemned is when you feel that your heart has gotten cold to the things of God and now you feel bad about it. Or you feel like maybe you have exhausted God's mercy on your life. You're in the dumps. God has a scripture for you and I during those seasons. It's in Psalms chapter 113 verses 7 and 8. It says this, I will... Raise up the poor from the dust. I will raise up the needy from the garbage dump. And I will place them amongst princes. Even princes of his own people. So what he's telling you. For any of you in this room that you just feel like things are in the dumps, and if you don't feel that way, take good notes because the world spins and this, your turn is coming. I'm not trying to speak that into your life. It's just life. And so when those moments happen, the Lord takes note and says, you, I'm going to raise you up. But how does that actually happen? Because if you're anything like me, you think to God more than you pray some days. And it's almost kind of like, hello, do you see what's going on? I'm messing my whole life up. Can you help me, please? I'm messing things up. 
And sometimes you're not the provoker of what's going wrong. Sometimes someone else is the provoker. You're not the provoker. You've done nothing wrong. But it's some moron in your life that's coming into your life to make things complicated. Has anyone ever met a moron? Just blink at me twice if you're sitting next to him. It's just like, ah! There's a certain process that God takes us through while he's raising us out of the dumps. When he's actually changing the season. See, there's a big difference between hype and hope. Hype is when I try to make you excited about something that God may or may not do. Hope is an expectancy of the future. In, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, I will give you a hope and a future. And so when God raises us up out of the dumps, when life is just so, ugh, you just want to run. When he raises us up, He's giving us an expectation of the future. Part of the characteristics of being in the dumps is you have nothing to look forward to. Are you with me? Say yes. You can't look forward to anything. It just feels like what you're in, you're always going to be in. And so he raises us up. I was uh, when uh, my, my wife and I, we had just gotten married and we've been married for 20 years. And uh, I was in the ministry at the time. Our church hasn't started yet, but there was a couple that had been married for a long time and they were having marriage problems. And I thought to myself, man, I've been married for a couple of weeks. I think I, ha- I think I have the, the formula. <laughs> I have the formula. And I really thought, I, I said it in my head, give me 20 minutes with them and they're going to be good. When we sat down, when she started talking, I was convinced she was 100% right and he was 100% wrong. And then he started talking and I was convinced that he was 100% right and she was 100% wrong. And they started arguing back and forth and I felt sweat like a circle on my back. Now, typically a counseling session is supposed to go 50 minutes. That meeting went for two hours and 50 minutes. And they left angrier than they were before they walked in. I walked out thinking to myself, Frankie, all you did was make things worse. And I probably did. And then all of a sudden the cycle begins. Have you ever just had one bad moment and now you begin to think your whole world is bad? And you go down this cycle and down you go. And then the Lord comes to the rescue and there's a, there's a, a process that he takes us through. When he lifts us out, it's a threefold process. Number one is he reaches down and he, he saves us. He pulls us out of the situation. And then number two, he introduces us to a new life. And then number three, we have to learn how to be in that new life. So I'm going to talk about all three of them. The, the pulling out process is not easy. 
Because what we want God to do is we want God to fix our problem. We don't necessarily want him to change our whole life. Are you with me on that? Fix the problem, but don't ask me to do a whole bunch of changing in the process as well. See, God has this issue where he says, I will fix the problem, but I can fix what's happening to you in a moment. But what's happening in you is far more important. So I will fix what's happening to you, but we're going to talk about what's happening in you. And as he begins to pull you towards himself, what you will notice is that the things of this world become less sweet. Less sweet. See, there once was a time in your life where rebellion was sweet. Sin is sweet. It feels good as a young person to have a private life that nobody knows about. But then as you get older, you start realizing that that private life doesn't stay private. It comes out like a flood. And then you can back up and you can say to the enemy, you fooled me. I thought sin could be kept a secret. I thought my distance from God could be regulated. Do you know you can't regulate your distance from God? Your heart gets harder faster than what you realize. It gets hard. People who get distant from God, it gets hard. And so the Lord says this, I want not, I don't want to just come into your life and change it. I want you to walk with me. And you will hear the voice of darkness whisper in your ear. The moment you decide you're going to pursue God, you will hear it. It will sound something like this. Are you going to leave me forever? Will we not enjoy the pleasures of sin together anymore? The pleasures of sin, are we not going to enjoy those anymore? Are you changing your entire life? You will feel that. And there's inward contention. But then, point number two, while that process is taking place, we have this opportunity to interview God. To walk with him and talk with him. While we're talking with him, we discover things about him that we did not know before we caused the rest of the world to be quiet and focus on him. We discover things. Let me illustrate. I have an eight-year-old little girl. Her name is Kate. She is, what's the word I want to use here? She is, she's a situation waiting to happen. (laughs) Do not turn around on her. Something will catch fire. She, during service, she went to the back suite and went on a YouTube live, which I don't even know how to do. She's eight and started walking around in the back of the church saying, my dad's talking right now, but it doesn't really matter. Let me show you what's going on back here. (laughs) During service. She's like, we're in the green room right now, but you can clearly see it's not green. So I don't know what's going on there. And then she sticks the phone outside the door and pulls it back in. She's a situation waiting to happen. 
She's got big green eyes and she's got beautiful blonde hair. But recently, she got really sick. I don't know if it was the flu. I don't know if it was that other thing. (laughs) I don't know. But all of a sudden, this beautiful little girl now has these huge bags under her eyes. This beautiful little girl can't stop thick green snot from running out of her nose. This beautiful little girl is not funny and chirpy anymore. She's just moaning. She got so sick while she was opening up her mouth, you can see like the, the spit and the saliva pulling her, her, her lips back together again. All she did was moan and hurt. When I was holding her, she reached up to give me a kiss. And you know what I did. I went, dear God. In Jesus' name, I will not get sick. And I gave her a kiss. She wanted some of my soup while I was eating it. I gave her my spoon and she had some, took one bite and gave the spoon back. I could see she was watching me to see what I was going to do with that spoon. (laughs) But let me ask you a question. Do you think the thought ever crossed my mind? I'm going to go down to the orphanage and trade this one in. She's, She's got snot running out of her nose. She opens up her mouth and there's strings going out. She just, it's just, it's disgusting. All she's doing is moaning and hurting and, and I don't know what's going on with this sickness and I don't know if it's going to get on my other kids. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe I need to wear gloves and put on a mask and a hazmat suit and kind of push her instead of carry her. <laughs> Do you think that that thought ever crossed my mind to go trade her in for a nice healthy kid? You know what happened. I pulled her in tighter than I did when she was well. I take pictures of her and clap for her and look at her like, that's my girl, that's my girl, that's my girl. But when she's sick, there is no, that's my girl. It's this is my girl. While you're interviewing the Lord and you're getting to know him, you must know a few things about him. That he remembers that you are made from dust. In Psalms 103, verse 10, uh, no, 14, it says this. He remembers that you are made from dust. And so when you are walking with him and you begin to beat yourself up and condemn yourself because you are not being who you wished you were, he's looking at you in those moments with the snot running out of your eyes and you're saying, okay, this is not your finest hour. And what is he doing during those moments? He's pulling in tight. He's pulling in tight. And when you are, when when life is going good. But when you're not doing so good, he is not looking at you going, what in the world? You're frustrating me. Where am I getting this point in my sermon? A couple weeks ago, I whispered to the Lord. I said, God, you see, I am dust. I am not capable of doing any better than what I am right now unless you help me. I am not capable. I don't have the ability. He remembers that you are dust. Do you 
remember that you are dust. I don't mean this as an insult. But you're made from dirt. Your skin is holding in dirt. You're basically a dirt bag. But you are. Don't take it personal. God made you from dust. And when he looks at you and you're able to say back to him, I cannot do any better than what I'm doing right now unless you help me. This process of looking at you and rescuing you, pulling you out of your life, drawing you out of your life, and then introducing you to him saying, okay, now everything that you have ever learned is now going to be different. In Lamentations 3.22, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy endures forever. Every morning you wake up, it is fresh and new. Great is His faithfulness. Have you ever had somebody apologize for the same thing 1,000 times? And you think to yourself, I'm going to forgive you today, but this is the last time. Do you know that his mercy is new and fresh every morning? So when you need it, it is as if you have never drawn from it before. He remembers that you're dust. And so in summary, I have one more point, but in summary... When he sees us living this life where we are in the dumps, he says this, I will pull up the one who is poor from the dust. I will pull up the one who is in need. And then what he does is he begins to extract you out of your life. Extract you, pull you out. And that's when we have a huge decision to make because we know what has to go and what gets to stay. We know it right down in here. There's certain friends, there's certain words, there's certain things we we need to start doing. He's extracting us. But at the same time, he's introducing himself to us. And then number three, there's this new way of living. This We have to learn to be an heir. When Paris Hilton was born, she was born a zillionaire. She's rich. She was born rich. But she had to discover the gift that she had. I remember the very first time I went to a nice restaurant. I didn't grow up rich. And so my wife and I were married the first time we went to a restaurant where the tablecloths were white. So we came in and we sat down and there was like 70 forks on the table. And I'm looking at Allie and Allie's looking at me and we're trying to act normal. We don't, can't figure out which fork we're supposed to use. So somebody leaned over and said, never forget, Frankie, just start on the outside and work your way in. So I grabbed the furthest fork and I started using it. And then the guy comes and takes the fork away from me. And I'm like, bro, (laughs) the last guy who did that dribbles when they talk. So don't take (laughs) my fork. I had to learn how to eat at the table. Sometimes 
We are an heir to the throne. We're children of God, but we don't know how to be a child of God. And here's the trouble. For someone who, like, I'm going to use my mom for example. She won't mind. She was raised by a mom that since she was a little girl, the day she was born, she called her my little monkey. My monkey, my monkey, because my grandmother thought that she looked like a monkey. It was horrible. It ruined my mom's life. Because my mom grew up thinking that she looked like a monkey. And so then when she became a mom, she had no blueprint. She had to figure it out all by herself. She couldn't figure. She herself was not whole trying to make someone whole. She did it. She had to learn how to be whole. She had to learn how to be secure. She had to learn how to raise strong children when she herself wasn't strong. She had to learn to give what she never had. As children of God, you and I, when we have lived in the dumps so many times, and he says, I will raise up. Those who are in the garbage dump. Once he is raising us up and he's extracting us out of our lives and he's introducing himself to us. There's a process of being shifting and saying, this is how life now looks. This is how it now looks. Because if you don't know how a child of God lives, you will end up living the same way you've always lived, even though you are not that person anymore. Are you with me? Say yes. Están conmigo. Do you see? See, all three of us. This is how children of God Operate. Are you with me? Say yes. I got one more point. Are you with me? Say yes. This is how children of God operate. It's a mindset. There's one thing that we have to remember as a child of God. There's one thing and here it is. Here it comes. This is the missing puzzle piece. If you put together a thousand piece puzzle and you're missing something, you go, I'm missing, I'm missing one puzzle piece. And then all of a sudden someone walks in the room and says, you looking for this? The missing puzzle piece for a child of God is the piece that answers this question. How do I get from right here, where I'm at with God, to here? What I want from God, the relationship I wish I had... How do I get from where I am right now to the relationship I wish I had? I'll tell you next Sunday. (laughs) See you next Sunday, everyone. It's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Watch the mindset. It says that children of God come before his throne boldly. Like, like, like there's a, there's, there's an excitement to it. There's an urgency to it. Like, I need to talk to you. 
I need to talk to God. I need to talk to you. Have you ever noticed that you talk slower when you're really trying to make a point? I need to talk to you. <laughs> my mom and, and my dad, for that matter, when they used to yell at me in public, they, they didn't open their mouth because they didn't want anyone else to know I was being yelled at. Thank you. When we get home, I'm going to beat you to death. <laughs> they say it nice and slow so I could hear it very, very clearly. Hebrews 4.16 there is a mindset that children of God come before him with boldness, seeking his throne that is made of grace. And two things happen every single time we do this. Watch this. Not every prayer you pray will get answered the way you want it. But every time you pray, two things always happen. You receive grace and mercy in that moment. A child of God learns how to do this on a regular basis. You approach the throne of grace, praying, visualizing his face and talking to him with confidence. And you receive grace and mercy at that same time. And what is the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy forgives you of all of your sin. And grace is a supernatural strength that helps you do things that you would not ordinarily be able to do. And you receive that every time you approach his throne. The hardest thing the hardest thing for a child of God to do is to open their mouth and say a sentence to the Lord. One sentence. And why is that so hard? Because all of hell knows that as soon as you say that one sentence, the next sentence will come out of your mouth and it's like, like a spool of thread that just keeps running out of your mouth. And before you know it, you're talking to the Lord and every angel in heaven is at your side. Every angel in heaven. If I can beg you to do one thing, if I can beg you to do one thing, if I can beg you to do one thing, is to approach that throne of grace. You close your mind, you close your eyes, and you visualize his face, and you approach that throne of grace, and you say one sentence, and watch what the Holy Spirit does with you. It'll be like a spool of thread, and what was supposed to be one sentence turns into two, it turns into three, and then all of a sudden you feel like God creator of the universe is right next to you. And now it's not religion anymore. It's not church anymore. Now the creator of the universe is closer to you than the shirt is on your back. And once you feel that, the things of this world become strangely dim. I'd like to 
show a testimony of something that happened a couple weeks ago. Would you bring the blinds down? Anytime I'm going to believe that God is going to do something great, I like to remind myself of something great that he's already done. Does that make sense? Like, for example, that was weird, wasn't it? Like they went up and then they went down and then they went up and they went down. When I want to see somebody physically healed, I think about someone that I recently saw get physically healed. If you're new here, you must know this. We see people get physically healed every single week here. Not everybody we pray for gets healed. But every Sunday, we see a miracle. Every Sunday. It hasn't always been that way. Our church is 17 years old come this June. It's a long story, but over the last three years, something has just changed. And the miracles we see, the ones that are easily noted are the physical ones. Because you can see it. But the number of marriages that I've watched walk out these doors, their hearts as hard as stone. They walk out these doors and the Lord did a miracle. As you're watching this clip, let faith rise. The miracle you need is is most likely not the one that he received. But it is as easy for God To do a miracle in your life. As it is for you to breathe. And I believe that many miracles. Will happen before we walk out this door today. Take a watch at this. About two months ago. Maybe two and a half months ago. I had some blood work done. And the results came back. With a fairly certainty of the doctors that looked at it that I had markers in my blood that usually indicated probably a a colonoscopy cancer, a colon cancer. And I came to church that following Sunday and Pastor Frankie got up and his word of knowledge, that first word of knowledge that he got was that the Holy Spirit had someone in the audience that he wanted him to pray for that was having a cancer issue. And boy, my hair stood on end because I knew that was for me. So I got up and came forward. Then he came down to pray for me and he just asked me to close my eyes and and he put his one hand on my chest and one hand on my back. And just almost immediately as he started to pray, I felt a real tingly sensation starting on my left side and it just went all the way through my body to the right, started on my right side and went to the left side. And it, uh, I knew that that was something that was really happening, that the Holy Spirit was gonna be fine, you know, or working on me. I went to my doctor. Doctor says we need to do a colonoscopy, an endoscopy. 
MRIs, CTs, whatever, we're gonna figure out what it is and where it is, and try to, so we can know how to treat it. When colonoscopy came first, couldn't find anything. The endoscopy came a couple weeks later, found nothing. He said, well, let's go do an ultrasound of your abdomen. We're gonna look for a inflammation or, or nodules. Come back normal and clean. And they said, well, we need to do a CAT scan. So there we do, we did it again. And sure enough, came back, everything came back normal and negative and no signs, and then they did blood again. And the blood work came back for a normal for a person of my age. And so, you know, the, the markers that were there just a couple months previous were gone. And so, was I healed? Absolutely. You know, I, I remember that Sunday because when I feel the Lord speak to me at this moment of the service, there's a lot of times I'm wrong. And I tell the crowd, hey, this is what I feel like God's telling me. And if nobody raises their hand, then I got to own that and just say, hey, I'm sorry. I thought God was talking to me, but he wasn't. A lot of times it's somebody watching online and they end up getting healed and they email the church and it's a beautiful thing. But in the moment, I have to be honest with everyone and just say, hey, I thought I was hearing from God and I wasn't. I'm sorry. It was me talking to me, but I felt like God. But in that moment, I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't tell if it was cancer in the abdomen or if it was... Um, someone who something about cancer in the abdomen I just I, something along those lines and when I laid my hand on his stomach he squeezed my hand so I was holding his hand like this and I laid my hand on his stomach he squeezed my hand he says I feel something shooting through my stomach all the cancer that he thought he had, that was told that he had, gone. Now, why, for all the logical people in this room, that you think to yourself, ah, I don't know. I don't know. You are not wrong for wondering what's real and what's not real. That's called being human. But what I want to challenge you is to keep coming here because every week you'll see another testimony and you'll have to ask yourself the question, that's a lot of liars. <laughs> if you go to our YouTube channel, there's just testimony after testimony after testimony. He's not the first one that has said that he's been healed of cancer. He's not the first one. Now, what's God going to do this morning? Let's stand to our feet for me, please. And If you feel comfortable with it, just put your hands out like this. And this is what, I, the only thing I ever ask, the only thing I ever ask is that if you get healed here in Celebration Church, if you get healed, that you tell us about it. 
you shoot us an email and you tell us about it. Now, some people will say, I'm going to wait 100 weeks to make sure it never comes back again before I testify about it. Look, you have no idea how encouraging it is. If you're 80% better, we want to know about it. Jesus prayed for a guy one time who was completely blind. He said, can you see? He goes, I see people walking around like trees. I can't see 100%. If, if that's you, tell us about it. I want to know. It encourages us. If you're 80% better, it encourages us. And you can put in there, I'm still waiting for the other 20%. That's fine. But encourage us. Let us know that God's already started to move on your life. But here's the full awareness that I have this morning. That I have no idea how many miracles need to happen. The one common denominator that all of us have is we all need a miracle. Every one of us needs a miracle. And this is not a church that talks about it. This is a church that sees it and then tells each other about it and we celebrate it. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Right in your seat, right right where you're at. I want you to ask God. Not yet. We're all going to ask Him together. For the miracle that you're asking for. And then we're just going to wait. And if it's a physical miracle, like I'm just going to use an example. Like um, uh, you can't raise your... your, your uh, was it this? Your, um, rotator cuff. If you can't raise your hand above your head, I want you to try to raise your hand above your head. In other words, I want you to try to provoke it. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for someone who's who's lost vision in their eyes. It's going away rapidly, or maybe you're already completely blind, but it's going away rapidly. It's going away rapidly. I'm not going to embarrass you. And if I'm talking to myself, then that's then, then I'll own it. But I feel like if you come out of your seat and I pray for you, the Lord's going to heal you. It's going away rapidly. And it may already be gone in the right eye. Is that is that someone in this room? Raise your hands right where it's at. Please, if it's somebody in this room, please don't wait. I know it's scary. It's scary. It's scary to come out of your seat. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you on the stage. Is it you? I'm just going to pray for you. Just raise your hands right where you're at. Is it you as well? Just come stand. Is it your right eye? Yes. Just raise your hands right where it's at. And focus on those letters. The last person I prayed for, for blindness, I wasn't even supposed to pray for him for blindness. I was supposed to pray for his wife or something else, and he came down. And he looked on the screen, and all of a sudden he could see the words. With your hands raised. Thyroid. Oh, I want to be more specific than that. God help me. Someone have cancer in their throat?
maybe it's thyroid and I ran away from it. Your names start with a P and it's thyroid. What is it? Thyroid? Thyroid? Is there anyone here whose name starts with a P and it's thyroid? Is it you? Paulette? Paulette? Thyroid? Raise your hands right where you're at. Her name's Paulette. The, The Lord's moving in this room right now. Prayer partners, come down with you. The reason why I'm asking prayer partners to come down is the Lord only wants me to just pray for these people, but he wants, he wants to do a miracle in everyone's life. And that's why I'm asking you to come out of your seats right now. Come find a prayer partner. There's ushers down here. They will point you to the first available person. With your hands raised, you can leave whenever you get ready, but we live our whole life wanting to be in his presence. Let's just sing this song one time through before anyone goes. I love you all so much. I love you all so much. There is healing in this house.